Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 548. And we continue our journey through the Castlevania franchise with three Dracula's Curse, or Darkula's Curse, as I had it in the show notes early, earlier, which is quite cool, but incorrect. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, John Salmon. Hello. Michiel Croder. Once again, this is going to sound terrible, but here it goes. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. Is that, was that the Japanese or the US? The US. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> welcome back, regular, irregular guest, one credit, classics, Ben Cartledge. Hello, my friends. A little bird told me he knows a little bit of something about how to play this notoriously challenging video game. Uh, we lost out on Leah due to illness, but we couldn't have a, a better replacement than Ben. So Legend of Demon's Castle is the original title of this one. Akumajo Densetsu, uh, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse to most parts of the world. It is the third or the fifth or the sixth game, depending on how you count them in Konami's series of gothic horror-themed 2D action platform games and a prequel to the original Castlevania, although definitely, most definitely, a sequel in terms of scope and ambition, I would suggest. Mm. We'll talk much more about that and we'll get deep and dirty into the mechanics and version differences and all that sort of stuff. But first, Ben, why are you here? What's your qualification? That's a very deep question. Yeah. Um, well, this is a uh, yeah. This is a funny one for me because, like, the number of times uh, since I started recording one credit clears on, on one credit classics that I that I approach this and think to myself, um, just because of the reputation, because I'd watched a lot of the um, uh, AVGM videos about the the whole series, and um, obviously I'd done uh, one quite a lot, and I played a lot of four, and and obviously like it's documented, I've played quite a lot of. The, of I went through a phase of trying to think that i could do or wanting to do two as well like doing it mm. live over a, a couple of episodes but never quite got around to it but um i remember when uh when i was kind of traveling quite a lot judging a lot of fights like um i was uh i bought uh this for my uh 2ds xl and that would have been the uh either the pal or the it's not the japanese version anyhow it either would have been the whatever versions on the uh, mm, whatever probably on the store yeah probably the us rom i think yeah yeah um, so I kind of played this and, and immediately was like really, I don't know, really kind of taken by it. I remember thinking mm. to myself, this is, yeah, this is really good. And I thought, and the same thing again, I thought to myself, I wonder if I put a bit of time together, could I kind of do this? But it always kind of, I don't know, I never really had a, a big solid kind of block of time to do it really. Like, uh, and other things came up and, and kind of, I just, I don't know, played Ghouls and Ghosts or something like normal. <laughs> um, and <laughs> no way. And so <laughs> it wasn't till, um, uh, I don't know, October um, uh, last year, really, mm. that I had a, a good kind of block of time together. And I started um, dipping into kind of playing it in streams and then practicing it kind of off stream as well. Um, and there's a couple of streams from that time where I kind of get a fair way into the game, maybe because it is quite long, as we'll talk about, and maybe 25 minutes, half an hour into the game. And then inevitably kind of I'm I'm not good enough to beat kind of the the levels which do ramp up significantly in difficulty near at the end. So like uh, I'd kind of die and then I'd start playing it. And then I thought to myself, like, am I ever going to do this? Like I had hit, hit points where I thought to myself, this is just going to be like a fun game that I'm pretty good at, that I can get kind of more through than most people. 
and uh, but it, I'll never be able to kind of properly do it. And then I had a big run of being able to play it for about for about two weeks, really, like practicing it quite a bit and and started putting some states together for the the latter bits of the game. But I never had enough time to quite properly kind of clear it all because I wanted to do it without continuing. That's the whole kind of point, really. Um, and I had I basically it all came down to the fact that I had one kind of stream to kind of try it out on. It was a Thursday night in October and my other um, line of work in the glorious world of organized violence was getting super busy around about that point because COVID was still a thing, but we were still, we were getting back to the point that we were able to travel again. So I was getting kind of a lot of work coming in and I was back traveling and it, I don't know, it all kind of lined up that I had kind of one Thursday evening to kind of try it really. And I'd played it a couple of weeks before and, uh, I don't know, like, it's so, it's hard to describe what that, that kind of stream was like because it just, uh, and it's kind of up there, like, and I clipped the, the whole thing into, like, a, an individual kind of video, but I, I managed to, and it was the Japanese version I was playing just because I really liked the, I really liked the music, to be honest, and it all always mm-hmm. played a bit better for me. Um, and I managed to get kind of basically right to the end, and then I, uh, I got to Dracula and died, but I had two lives left. And I thought to myself, well, I was. I thought to myself, well, I guess this is it then. This is a great achievement, you know. Like I'm not like, a, I wasn't planning on getting this far. I'm really happy that I've got this far. But a big part of me was like, I don't know. This can't be it, you know. Like I, I've got to. I don't know. There's got to be some way. Um, and so I was playing, obviously, with the. Uh, so I was playing with with ciphers. I'd used kind of a few to to get through a few different bits and. I was I said it, I say on the stream like is there any sub weapons here because I thought to myself there can't be no sub weapons <laughs> on like the last yes. boss and then uh, on the last boss then on the the Japanese version there's actually the uh, uh, the lightning sub weapon which is kind of the most powerful one and uh, I just thought I fancy this like I just, <laughs> just a big part of me thought I bet I could do this and uh, and and I did and I beat it with my kind of uh, I beat it with my last life and it's one of the most unique reactions I've ever had to completing a game because I'm yeah. almost like excited like a little kid in terms of like the the last boss when it actually dies on its final form has got like quite a bit of time before you actually collect the orb like normal in the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so excited. It's silly. I've got like my hand over my mouth because I can't stop like like laughing in a dead excited kind of way. It's ridiculous. But like um that that was a that 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 clear remains to this day the only time I've ever managed to beat Castlevania three um on one credit you know and like i i kind of i don't know part of me wants to get good at this again right and to do all the different ways through as we'll talk about and to 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 play all these different kind of things and and to do all these different levels and all the rest of it but if that never happens i'd be more than happy that the only time that i ever beat this game without continuing exists in that perfect kind of crystallized form you know and i wonder if i did it again would it not be as good and as magic as that yeah, one, yeah, you know, yeah. that therein lies the thing, but that video is kind of out there, like uh, yes. I'm on, on my channel. And, uh, it's just, if you put in Castlevania three, one credit clear, like one of my videos will come up and it's like about, I don't know how long it is, about an hour. Um, about an hour and yeah. it's, I don't know. Like I look back at this game and th- this clear specifically is kind of a, I don't know, like a, a kind of a, a ray of light and all of this, you know, like it's a, it's mm. just phenomenal. And like, it'll always kind of, uh, when I always think about this game, I'll always think about that clear and the things kind of surrounding it, you know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a wild, it was a wild uh, little experience, but yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. 
which is why it's particularly great you're here. Yes, check it out. Check the video out. Even if you don't want to watch the playthrough for some reason, um, you can watch Ben's reaction at the end and see how emotional he, he is and sort of, yeah, what it means to, to beat such a, a notoriously challenging game uh, in, in such a fashion. Nikhil, you've also got a maybe not quite the same level, but uh, you've got some drama because uh, this one went, went down to the wire for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me run it back uh, sure. a couple of decades. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those, uh, for, for people that listen to Kenny Rins often and have heard me before, uh, I'm one of those, uh, yeah, kids, uh, European kids that uh, <laughs> actually had a, an NES as their first <laughs> system at home. Uh, and the the original Castlevania was a, a big deal for me. It was a, really a very impactful game. Uh, a lot of atmosphere it had for me. And I, I remember playing it in kiosks. And then when we got our NES, it was among the 40 games that we got with it. And yeah, it's, I had a special bond with it, even though at the time I never got past uh, death. Uh, you know, every time we played, we just sort of stranded there. Uh, and I was supposed to appear on last year's show on the original Castlevania, but I think it was in the middle of us launching Shieldmate on itch.io. You get that and plug I just in didn't there. have. Yeah, of course, that's how we do it. <laughs> very, very smooth. Like if you, if you hadn't pointed it out. Um, yeah, so so I didn't really have the time to to sit down and put the card in and 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 grind my way through it. Um, so that's still unfinished, bi unfinished business, but mm. we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. and then I was on, uh, Simon's quest, which I didn't have at the time, but we borrowed from a friend and played all the way through that. And I remember, I think it was in 1991, um, yeah, likely, or maybe it was early 1992 before the Super Nintendo was out in Europe. And I went to do an internship, like a four-day internship from high school at a bank. You know, just it, it was one of those orientation internships where you just learn what, uh, you know, what a, how depressing corporate life can be already yeah. while yeah. you're in high school. And uh, I, I was doing my internship at uh, a large bank in Amsterdam in the center of Amsterdam. So I had to travel there. And then there was an import uh, game store in, in the high street close by which on my lunch break I would often just go to uh, during those four days. And they had uh, a PCB with Street Fighter 2 on there, I remember very vividly. They had a Super Famicom with uh, uh, Super Castlevania 4, or the uh, Japanese uh, equivalent of that, Amazing. of course. Uh, which uh, also awestruck me. Uh, they also had uh, the Japanese version of uh, Link to the Past on there. Um, and on their shelves, I saw that there was such a thing as Castlevania 3 on the NES, which I didn't even know. It was a, it was a U.S. import. So, uh, yeah, probably a couple of months before it was localized and uh, appeared in Europe, because I think it was even released in Europe after Super Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo. And, um, yeah, I thought, oh, that looks, looks kind of cool. Uh, yeah, but, of course, Super Castlevania 4 on that screen already drew my attention much more. And then I snatched up a card in the early 2000s when I again got an NES. I think a friend uh, sold me his or gave me his and then traded it for something or so something along those lines. And then, uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was in a time where you could still snatch up cartridges of NES games, even the more sought after ones like Castlevania 3 for 
very little money comparatively. So I got it and I've played it uh, yeah, throughout the years, every now and then, just, you know, kind of casually, just sitting down, popping it into the system and just playing for a little while until I hit a, a brick wall of difficulty and then switched off the system again. And that's sort of how it went on a number of occasions. So, uh, yeah, Kenny Rins being on this podcast being on this podcast is always uh, a great opportunity to force yourself uh, to actually sit down and actually play through the end of a game, even though, you know, it can be fairly unfriendly at times, uh, which also comes with some caveats in that now there's pressure of a deadline. Okay, we have this podcast recording tonight, so yeah, I better finish it before that time, you know, and being that um, I play, uh, of course, I have the Castlevania collection on the on the Switch as well, so I could have played it on there and used save states. But I kind of really wanted to go back to that cartridge that I bought years ago and just play it on the original hardware on my little uh, Sony CRT screen that I have my 8-bit systems connected to, and 16-bit systems as well, and just play all the way through it. So yeah, it took me it took me a little while, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the later stages are uh, definitely very harsh, yeah. and uh, it wasn't a one CC, let's say. No, for sure not. That's, that that <laughs> comes nice. that always comes with familiarity, you know. Absolutely. Actually, I was thinking about it because having to repeat those stages over and over again without save states, and so that means if you run out of lives, you have to start all the way at the beginning of a stage, uh, you yeah. know, having to do all the checkpoints again. Yeah. Really gave me intimate knowledge about how this how these stages work and uh yeah like it was amazing later on to see like how uh flawless i could play the stages once yeah. i've got them nailed and you know seem they were seemingly impossible at first the later stages but then oh yeah, here's a trick to do this and here's a trick to do that so i bet i could come at least close to one cc if i yeah. right now turn on the, the console and start playing from the beginning mm-hmm. before i lose my knowledge and familiarity of the game again before it becomes a little bit misty again you know yeah at this point i could probably you know i'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying i could do it but i could come close yeah to, yeah to no, it. absolutely yeah 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 the way i've been playing it is is testament to that as well uh but before me uh, how about you, John? Any history with the game, or did you just play it for the show? This is another one of these slightly unusual ones where it's a series that I haven't had a huge amount of familiarity with over the you know over the course of my like childhood and adolescence. I mean, we never had uh, an NES at home. I had a an SNES, but not until probably I was in my sort of later teenage years. I think well after we already had like the PlayStation and N sixty four and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, Castlevania is something that weirdly I feel like I have played or at least somehow experienced the vast majority of these older games, but they always used to be being at a friend's house or, you know, Mm. some sort of after school club or somewhere that there was a console lying around. I mean, they seem certainly the the handful of NES games and like the Game Boy games, they seem super ubiquitous. I'm, I'm sure that they were all over the place. And it's one of those things where because I don't have that solid memories of any of them specifically they've all kind of bled into one in my head so like i was i was looking at this before i actually started playing it wondering exactly which castlevania it was going to be and i think i was i was semi convinced that it was going to be what ended up i think being bloodlines the one that's got the really big frankenstein monster boss wait is there a frankenstein monster in this one as well there is it's just yeah, a small one it's just yeah. like a regular just a, size yeah. one. Just an 8-bit size one. Yeah, not the yeah. one that's like four times the, the height no. of your sprite. So yeah, not, I, I, not, not so easy on the NES, although there are some big monsters in this. They, I mean, they push some of the limits to what I thought the NES was actually able to do. 
Indeed. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, I've got this weird thing in my head where, yeah, I, I'm kind of semi-familiar with a lot of the games, but I don't really know any of the specifics of them, and I certainly never played far enough into any of them when I was younger to to have been able to beat them. But then there's the, the other slightly weird thing of, like, retrospectively going back to them, like, since the first one that I played that I really internalized very solidly and knew what exactly I was doing must have been Symphony of the Night, probably... Probably not even that long ago. It must have been after it came out on Xbox Live. So we're probably talking about 15 years ago at most. Mm -hmm. Or, well, about 15 years ago, I'm guessing. And playing a bunch of them since then, you see all of the influences coming back. So I was playing this thinking, oh, my God, this this reminds me of nothing more than um, the... Uh, Oh, what was the the Kickstarter reward one that they made for um for the yeah, yeah. the new stained Curse of the Moon and it they was did a so sequel similar well. to that in so many ways. I was looking at it. Well, it's the other way round, really. But well, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, Curse of the Moon is totally riffing off this. But um, it was it was completely. like doing this weird double take of seeing the um seeing the the obvious influences in tons of what's in that game, but not until I mean I I must have played that four years ago. Or yeah. more, no. um, and I've kind of forgotten a lot of the very it's only, specifics. It's not about even that, that. Yeah, it's only about that old. If if that, yeah. I I think I played it before they released the the proper Symphony right. of the Night one, yeah. the uh, Ritual but, of the yeah, Night. Yeah, probably about twenty eighteen. Anyway, mm. give or take. So it, it's it's this sort of weird thing in my head where I'm like I'm playing a game that I'm pretty sure I've never played, but I can feel because there are so many very similar things that I'm much more familiar with. It feels like I've done it, and it's almost to the point where. You go through, you go into a new room, and it's like, oh, I can just imagine what type of enemies are going to be here. And I don't know if it's because it's just kind of intuition or like um, educated guesses. Exposure, yeah. They, well, they, they, they use rather like a lot of contemporary developers. And here's the first mention of FromSoft in today's uh -huh. show. There, there are certain patterns which they establish and reuse deliberately to yeah. challenge the player, but uh, yeah, also. Yeah, memorization is a, is a large part of this and an experience. Yeah, and a lot of it harks back also to the original Castlevania. I feel like the sort of the oh yeah logic of the enemy placement and the the, the gaps and yeah. the obstacles. Mm, you can you can certainly see it because I've played a few a few of the games on the anniversary collection now quite close to each other, and you can see you can very clearly see like the um like the lineage of them and the the kind of the technical expertise behind them increasing as each one goes on and like new ideas being brought in but also because I've played uh, when did this come out 1989 like I've played ones that are literally 25 or 30 years newer than this but it's like you can still see they still like going back to that core tenet like they you can tell that they they hooked onto something that they they really liked and that obviously worked and it, it's been mm. You've you've both I think or all three of you have mentioned that this is notoriously difficult. I kind of didn't really know that or expect that going in. Um, right. Although a lot of the other games that I have played have been quite difficult as well, so I kind of I think I underestimate it a little bit to to an extent where I kind of figured, oh, this will be like I'll sit down three days before the show because I've been super busy with a ton of boring real real world things going on yeah so it's like, i'll sit down and you know it'll be one of those games that you can just sit down and bash it out in an hour hour and a half in one you might want to maybe do some research before you put put amber on the spreadsheet to say you want to play things well i mean i still want to play them but yeah i mean i wasn't i wasn't expecting that it would be as much of 
a difficulty spike as as it was and it's not not to say that i didn't enjoy it in any in any way but i i think i underestimated this before going mm. in so i mean it makes for some interesting conversations and i i did beat it and i'm sure as hell never mm, going to one credit <laughs> or no, probably never God be no. able to beat Me it without no. save states so it's just not my my forte in yeah, gaming sure. this type of no. thing but that's um, fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it's still a very entertaining playthrough, and I, I I look forward to learning about all of the old Castlevania games as we go. Yeah, um, yes, listener, check out our previous shows on on the series. This is where we're up to. I played this again on the uh, anniversary collection via M2. I played the PS4 version on a PS5 for what it's worth. Um, they're all much the same. Uh, I played first the US ROM. And yes, yeah, so I'd never played this before. My first Castlevania probably was Haunted Castle, which we did a show on uh, at the arcades, and then pretty much Super Castlevania 4, which we'll be covering in the future. So, and yes, I was never an NES kid. Um, and I've because I came to so many of these NES games after I'd played 16-bit sequels, I've always struggled a bit with the kind of the way they look and feel. Uh, sometimes and also some of the design tenets of the 8-bit era um, being sometimes that much more exacting and precise and and about rote memorization and things like that so uh, I think you'll probably hear me more enthusiastic as we get into the 16 and 32-bit eras but um, but I still appreciate the the kind of the going back to these games and finding out their origins how and how they started and and how the uh, a lot of the the tropes were set um so yeah i played through the us rom first uh with save states and then since then and and and, and i beat dracula at the end since then i've been playing the japanese version but playing with only continues and only saving where i can continue from rather than using the password system uh just because it's slower um and i've got up to block nine using uh, the character cypher which we'll talk about uh, and it's uh, yeah, as exactly as Mikhail said, it's it's a very different experience. Uh, even though there are many tweaks between the two versions, finishing the American version, albeit effectively by cheating, and then going back to the Japanese version and playing it in a different way, you're still forewarned and forearmed with a lot of practice and knowledge and and uh, muscle memory. So uh, that's where I am with it. Uh, also, you know, speaking to the similarities between this game and and the first game. The, the original NES Castlevania is that uh, Hitoshi Akamatsu is the director again. And as with a number of games in this era, the developer publisher decided to kind of shoot off at a tangent with the second game in the series and then kind of return more to the the format and the genre of the original game with the with the third game in the series. See also Zelda um, and possibly possibly some other spring to mind as well. But yeah, so obviously we covered Simon's Quest, which has a day and night cycle and RPG elements and puzzle elements and all this other stuff. And here we are back to platform, hack and slash, skills, bosses, all that kind of stuff. The mechanics pretty much, other than being more sophisticated and, and with the character selection and all that kind of thing, this is very much, this feels like more like the direct sequel to Castlevania than the second game, I would say. Yeah. Definitely from a design point of view. Yeah. Yeah. It was released, as we were saying, in Japan in December 1989. 
It uh, arrived in America September 1990 and then, yeah, really late in the EU, December 1992. So the game was already three years old, give or take a few days by the time it arrived in Europe. And that was uh, two years, more than two years after the Mega Drive had come out in Europe and sometime after even, yeah, the 16-bit sequel, Super Castlevania 4 had come out in Europe. So it was probably a tough sell in many ways. J Keys Gamer from our forum says, Growing up, the NES was an absolute staple of my childhood. I can distinctly remember the very first time I saw games like Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, Mega Man, and, yes, Castlevania. Before the aforementioned Mario Brothers and Zelda series, Castlevania was part of a club of franchises whose second instalment was a vast departure from the first, only to have the third game be a welcome return to form. For me, Castlevania 2 lacked the charm that the first one had, but when I first saw Castlevania 3, I was blown away. Not only did this look and feel like the original game that I loved, but it was even better. This was the first game, the first time, outside of Ninja Turtles perhaps, that I remember being able to change characters at will, which to my 10-year-old self opened up a whole new world of possibilities. Add to that branching paths and the game felt enormous. Sadly, when I was away one weekend during high school, my mum sold my NES and all my games. What is it with parents that do this? That was my interjection. Well, for me, it was always a punishment, but this just sounds like it was <laughs> mean parenting. Yeah, they're not here. Quick, let's uh, sell it all can't. off. My mum would never have done that. Anyway, back to Jakey's <laughs> Gamer. To be fair, I hadn't played them in a while, but it still stung, no doubt. Years later, as an adult, I bought another, another NES, and Dracula's Curse was among the first games I purchased. Last year, I sold a large part of my collection for some needed cash and replaced the games with a flash cart. I did keep a few select cartridges, however, including Castlevania 3, partly because its special chipset makes it one of the few games you can't actually run on a flash cart, but also because this game still holds a special place in my heart and therefore deserves a place on my shelf as well. The first game in the series, this was to have different packaging artwork outside of Japan, painted by Tom Dubois, inspired by Ray Harryhausen. Dubois would go on to design the North American pa packaging for Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania 2, and Castlevania Bloodlines. Dubois was pretty good, actually. Discover it. Yeah, I mean, I've got the I've got the Japanese art here in the in the show notes, and actually, Oof, by Japanese yeah. cover art standards, uh, I'm not. I'm I'm going to say it's not. It's perhaps not up to the usual. Have you ever no, seen that bit, Twitter account rough. that's like good faces or something? Right. I think this belongs on there, especially that Trevor, um, sorry, that Belmont in the middle. What's wrong with yeah. his face? Yeah. And his, and his hair. I like the logo, Some though. Severe, severe uh, blood trauma to the face. He suffered or something like that. <laughs> uh, there are also, I mean, there are multiple changes, really, uh, an entire raft of changes between the two versions, some of which are technical, some of which are mechanical. Uh, some of which are basically rebalancing, but not always for the right reasons. The 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 suspicion is that this was one of the games that fell foul of the we can't let this be too easy because people will be renting it and they'll finish it on a rental. Um, but the game was already pretty darn challenging in its Japanese form and in its wisdom, Konami of America and also in the European version, which was published by subsidiary label Powcom, has remixed difficulty um, to the point that in the Japanese game, if you take damage from a particular kind of 
enemy or or whatever it's consistent the entire way through the game however yeah in the us version you get you basically get hurt more by the same things later in the game to stop you progressing that's you just touch mean. a boss late in the game and it's uh three quarters of your health gone if you have wow. a full bar yeah also it it goes pretty far further than i thought actually yeah, when yeah. i was watching ben's clear uh you know of course uh, the the last candle before Dracula didn't contain the lightning magic. Mm-hmm. If you uh, pick sci-fi, it was Fail fire it. magic. Yeah, they so remixed I do, that. I had yeah. to do that with fire magic. And the lasers of the Phase Three uh, Dracula uh, are like two sort of segments long. Yeah. In in the uh, US version, in my cart is the US version. Uh, it's like five or six segments yeah, long. So similar. if you if you're caught out there, uh, you you pretty much sometimes are trapped in unwinnable situations where you have to take damage. Grant, the one of the characters, uh, is reduced from having a really quite nifty. Yeah, he has like throwing daggers. I didn't know that he had throwing. Yeah. He has throwing daggers without oh, no. using hearts. And in the, uh, I always thought he was rubbish. Like in the US version, yeah. he uh, he just Nerfed. has a little stabby. A little stabby knife that doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So they actually made him less fun in the Western version. Mm. Yeah. There's a few little tweaks which could be considered not negative, such as some uh, slight sprite redraws and things like that. But also because the Japanese cartridge has the VR6 memory mapper chip, a VRC6 memory mapper chip in it, which uh, also allows them to add three channels of music to the or. They had to take away three channels of music from the American version, I suppose. You should put it that way. Uh, but it does also allow for some extra animation in the Japanese version, even on the title screen, which has got scrolling clouds and uh, various other things like this. Plus, there's also the usual bit of uh, censorship where the Medusa of the Japanese version has a more pronounced breasts, whereas in the the US or in the Western versions looks more like a, you know, a, a manly pecs. Um, there's a few statues that have their modesty covered in the in the Western version, all this kind of crazy stuff. We're literally talking about a handful of pixels here, but uh, <laughs> Nintendo was very, uh, very careful with this stuff, and especially outside of Japan, I guess. Even the cross, the big crucifix, which does, unlike some crucifixes in video games of the time, does remain across the versions. It's kind of had its power diminished in the Western yeah. versions. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's less l- glowing. It has- it has less splendor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also changed between the two versions with a hunchback, uh, which are frog or rabbit-like monsters in the Japanese versions. Uh, the yeah. little flea men, um, which uh, re- return from the earlier game. So, I mean, that's yeah, they, fine. They reused the original hunchbacks, yeah, who uh, look a bit like uh, little monkeys. Yeah, yep. monkey man. Yeah, um, but it's funny because uh, Super Castlevania 4 has 16-bit versions of the uh, hopping creatures from this game. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, oh, so that's where they're from. Yeah. yeah. It, it, speaking to the difficulty of the original version, Japanese game magazine Famitsu gave the game 30 out of 40 from their four reviewers, praising the game as a return to the first game's format with the new allies and the upgraded sound, but knocking points off for excessive difficulty according to wikipedia total magazine reviewed it in 1992 and gave it a a solid 80 percent but interestingly that was the uk version of the magazine total magazine germany reviewed it around the same time and gave it an interesting scoring system but percentage wise you can work this out for yourself they gave it 1.75 out of six Uh, so they really didn't take to it at all 
Meanwhile, Enforce magazine, also in the UK, I believe, if I recall correctly, gave it a seven out of ten. Um, and I guess the scores there were probably affected by the fact that these reviewers had played Super Castlevania Four like two a year or two prior yeah. to this, and were going, you know, well, this is a bit eight bitty because um, it was. Uh, and that's how review video games reviews certainly used to work back then. It wouldn't uh, necessarily work in the same way now because plenty of 8-bit looking games get stellar reviews. Yeah, it's very, very technology driven. Everything yeah, was like it that. Was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nintendo Life users to this day have it on an 8.2 out of 10 from 114 folks who have registered a score. Every time Nintendo Life has re-reviewed the game for its virtual console releases, they've given it a 9 out of 10. The sales for the cartridge are around at about 850,000 units, which is decent and probably made money, but it's not in the realms of, you know, Super Mario type numbers or anything like that. And I'm guessing with all the subsequent digital re-releases, the number of people who have legitimately bought Castlevania 3 are well over a million now. But I imagine the, pe the number of people who have played it and do play it on emulation are many, many times more than that. Into the scenarios. So yeah, the year is now back. 1476. Count Dracula has started to ravage Europe with an army of monsters. The Belmont family of vampire hunters once exiled from Wallachia. Wallachia? How do we, is, it, is it? How would you say it? Wallachia. According Wallachia. To, yeah. yeah. According to action, they feared the Belmont's superhuman power, but with Dracula menacing to swallow Europe in darkness... They're left with no choice but to call Trevor Belmont. <laughs> um, kind of... Get Trav on the blower. Brilliant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Ralph C. Belmondo in the Japanese version, which is frankly way cooler. Uh, current wield wielder of the Vampire Killer Whip. Vampire Killer, yeah. which was also the name of the, the original game on the MSX, right? Yeah. So it isn't much this plot is, but I, I do think it's kind of uh, charming and uh, has a little bit of depth to it in a sense that, you know, the uh, the people fear these uh, this powerful family of monster killers, but they have no choice but to, uh, yeah, to to call upon them. And then in the end, when you vanquish Dracula, uh, it says something to the effect of uh, the name of Belmont shall now be honored till the end of days or something along those mm. lines, you know. So it's kind of like a, re a family redemption, a family's name redemption story right. as well. Yeah. And, and of course, as the origin of uh, the whole uh, Castlevania timeline with the, the Belmonts, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. This is the first game in the series really to lay an explicit connection with Dracula and the real life Vlad III. The game draws inspiration from Bram Stoker's novel and states that Dracula is an evil sorcerer which was also brought forward in the novel. The only difference being that in the novel, he became a vampire after his death, whereas in the game, he got his powers from an evil deity. This is further implied by the setting, which is the 15th century, implying to take place in 1476, the year that the real Tepes supposedly died. This is also the official date given in the series timeline, which was published later. The character of Alucard is another movie reference, which once again fits in with the style of the game, his name being taken from the 1943 film, Son of Dracula. Grant's Japanese name is given as Grant Danesti. I think it's Danasti in the Western version, isn't it? Which is yeah, cool. with the Y Dan at the Dan end Dan and everything. Yeah. It looks yeah. mm. Danasti though, with a with a U. 
Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. A reference to the historical house who rebelled against Vlad Dracula, but later persecuted. This fits well with Grant's role in the game, but he is never mentioned to be of a noble lineage. <laughs> uh, the Japanese version used the uh, the old standard NES font, but the American version has a, a fancy gothic looking font, which is a nice touch, I think. And uh, yes, in the US version, you can enter different names, I guess, as a softener against the sort of the difficulty tweaks, get getting different effects, including starting with 10 lives per credit or indeed even start, starting with one of the extra character helpers from the beginning. Let's talk about those graphics, 8-bit sprite based, obviously, um, I would say extraordinarily uh, ambitious and colourful for the for the 8-bit era. I, I've said before many times that I struggle because, yeah, I came to so many of these NES games bef um, after I'd, I'd played 16-bit sequels and stuff like that, that I have to sort of try to remember my um, sort of the feeling of playing my 8-bit computer games on the Atari and things like that, and then kind of thinking how would I have felt when I saw Dracula's Curse at that point, and the answer is probably pretty flippin' impressed. A lot of uh, animated backgrounds, uh, layers of, of rolling fog with all sorts of funky effects. Uh, yeah, like you say, the color usage. And like, if I compare it to another real stunner of roughly this era, which was uh, Batman by, uh, by Sunsoft, mm. uh, where they use a lot of darks and a lot of shadows and then colors that really pop as accents. Um, yeah, this game does it in a similar way, but more in broad strokes, so with less less refined, gritty detail, but more... It's almost like uh, parts of the environment are like um, like etches or something that are stamped across the screen, you know? And sort of like, yeah, almost like a rough artist's hand. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it, being also that it's again reminded me very much of the first Castlevania. it took me a while to get used to its style but i now really appreciate it and there's a lot of atmosphere to these stages like you got these even though there's no parallax there are layers mm. in the background where you have like uh like growth in in one area little stone decrepit walls in front of that and then these silhouettes of uh yeah like uh needle trees uh in, in the background in black against the, like a purple sky beautiful description yeah, like there's there's bits where like the the music and the uh, and the the visuals come together like so well, but it's it's the fact that the visuals paint that kind of picture for you first. You know, like uh, if you think about the uh, like the pirate ship level, for example, like uh, the the fact that there's so much kind of darkness on that, um, and there's kind of big kind of swathes of kind of of color, but there's loads of stuff kind of missing, and the fact that the the to that point, most of the music that you come across is like quite quick. And the music on the the uh, the pirate ship level is really like uh, ominous. You know, what I mean, it's yeah, really yeah. slow and really ominous, and it kind of just it really goes to to build that kind of uh, to to kind of build that atmosphere up. It's like in I said when in uh, in Haunted Castle on like the fourth level where you're underground in like the tomb. Mm. That's got like a really slow. Um, that's got a really slow theme. And that, yeah. that builds up kind of that sense of kind of... Uh, or the cave in Castlevania 1 also yeah, exactly. has that sort of ominous uh, tune to yeah, it. Whenever, yeah, whenever there's anything that's half speed, you know, like it yeah. just... It just uh, it slows down. Yeah, it does, yeah. and it gives you like... It, it, do you know what I mean? It gives you just a... Don't get me wrong, like the songs on this that are full speed, they're incredible, but like it's... The, the, with the way that a lot of these levels look, like they needed a certain type of uh, 
a certain type of song to kind of I don't yeah. know to kind of give it a maximum level of what they were trying to achieve and and it, and the the way that a lot of these levels are designed uh, and and kind of drawn up really kind of uh, yeah it really kind of does that really well for me yeah and because of the the limitations of the 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 palette the resolution uh there is a sort of there is a sense of the impressionistic quality to them coming back to them now which perhaps at the time I would have experienced in a different way looking at 8-bit computer graphics and just kind of thinking you know that's that's the best they can do in terms of making something look accurate and representation of real life but because you you, you can play something you know 4k 60 fps that looks near photorealistic in a still frame now when you come back to this it kind of gives you a it's more about the the whole kind of the vibe it gives you and use of just yeah blank space and and sort of almost abstract shapes can be really evocative yeah Mm, yeah for sure i think for me this the point that my brain always gets really stuck on is it's not that i haven't ever played a lot of 8-bit games or like real 8-bit games but a lot of joined us for many i would say yeah yeah yeah, true but i mean a, a lot of them were when i first played them it was a long time ago and i'm i'm kind of i feel like i've my brain has been kind of polluted by the idea that now i'm more familiar with like the 8-bit uh looking games that have been uh-huh. made so you look, i'm thinking yes. of like the other the you know the curse of the moon that we mentioned and shovel, shovel Knight, Knight, yeah and that sort of thing and it's really weird you look at some of those games and the obvious the thing is like well they could never have actually done this on an nes right. like there's still yeah. far too much color and it's far not too without quick a and... lot of flicker and slowdown yeah yeah but it, it's weird sort of playing this i think i was expecting that it would be more basic than it was and when i actually right was going through some of the levels seeing like the scrolling at uh, scrolling in the background and you know the literal range of colors that there were that i kind of didn't really associate with the with like the nes color palette um i i guess Certainly, for like the Western release, it would have been a pretty late game compared late. to. Very I mean, late. we're talking about what, like six years or seven years of the console at that point. Since well, like actually, if you, ten nine years if you if you go from the original Japanese release of the Famicom to the release of this in Europe, it is nine years. So yeah, Jeez, yeah back that's in a long cycle. Back in those days, that was yeah, it's like a lifetime in terms of technical advancements. Yeah. They'd learned how to do a lot with the hardware. One of the things that struck me on a technical level are things like the the tilting platforms and the swinging pendulums. Now, they do cause a certain amount of slowdown. Uh, M2 accurately uh, emulates the processor speed of, of the original machine, so you get flicker and slowdown where you would have done on the original hardware. I was actually thinking that not many games, not many 8-bit games actually did that kind of stuff. Um, notoriously, it was very difficult to develop games with any kind of slopes in or, or you know, that kind of yeah. uh, platforms moving for sure, arcs, yeah. Yeah, on 8-bits, yeah. Slopes was definitely more of a yeah. 16-bit thing. And um, and yet, here we are, here we were at the end of the 80s on the on the 8-bit system, and um, and they, they managed to squeeze it in. But not only that, like I thought, oh, maybe those bits were only in the Japanese version, but nope, they managed to they managed to run it in the in the uh, Western versions as well without the without the extra oomph of the the chip. Yeah, I think it's impressive. It, it's genuinely something that I wasn't sure that could have been done on the NES until now. Yeah, and that audio. So yes, there's kind of two versions to to speak about. The Japanese version contains the specialized VRC6 coprocessor. The game's audio programmer Hidenori Mezawa 
assisted in the creation of the chip, which added two extra pulse wave channels and a saw wave channel to the system's initial set of five sound channels. The majority of the music combines the channels to imitate the sound of a synthesized string section. Western versions of the NES did not have the ability to support external sound chips, which is interesting that would, I wonder if even if they could have got this running in the Western versions, would they have actually, you know, spent the money to fill all those cartridges with the, with the chip. Although actually because they had to do a certain amount of remedial work on the game to get it running on the old NES, Maybe that was just as expensive. I don't know. So you talked about some of the moodier music. Any favourite tracks here from either incarnation of the soundtrack? It's for me like the differences between the two kind of are what make like the better songs so much better. Um, mm-hmm. But like there's versions of of uh, like both songs. Ironically, there's a song that I never hear because I never take uh, uh, Grant. So like right. the, the clock tower level. Yeah. Um, I never do that, so like I never, I never kind of hear that. But that's one of the like the, the Japanese version of it is one of the best songs in the entire game. It's like it's so busy, you know what I mean? It's so in, so intensely, uh, so intensely busy, elaborate, um, yeah. And the level, um, I can't think what the actual, uh, I can't think the actual. It's very late in the game. It's the level where you fight the. It's not the one where you fight death. It's the one where you fight the uh, the doppelganger. I think that's the second to last one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, the, the, that is a good track. That's yeah. incredible. You yeah, know I mean, like I'm, I'm like, uh, if you watch that clear, like, I, I, there's a there's a bit in that, like, when it when it comes round to like the when the loop of the music finishes and it comes back in, like, there's a bit to that where I, I watched I watched the video the other day and like I nod my head to that bit every single time without even realizing it. Like I don't, I it's yeah. so it's so kind of a I don't know it's so like percussive. Um, and it's like, uh, yeah, and, and obviously I said about the uh, the pirate ship music, which is just really, uh, I think there's a load of as well as if you look at the Japanese uh, soundtrack as well, all the sound, all the songs have got names that really kind of sum up, um, uh, yeah, kind of the whole the, the, like one of the set. I think I think the level on the pirate ship's called Anxiety or something. Mm. Like the song's <laughs> called Anxiety. Like uh, yeah. there's loads of uh, there's, there's one called Pressure as well. Like there's there's loads of it. There's loads of appropriate. They they, they they knew what they were doing. Yeah, hundred percent. Me and Leah did a uh, Kenny Kenny Sound of Play special yep, on still uh, Castlevania. Mm-hmm. Still available, and I think we got yeah we got up to and including Symphony of the Night and Castlevania Legends on the uh, Game Boy. Right. And uh, the tracks that we picked from the Japanese version were uh, Beginning, which is the stage one theme, of course. We picked Mad Forest, which is the uh, the forest stage, Mad and, Forest stage, and Aquarius, which is the uh, the water ruins stage where you have to find the two snaky dragons at the end. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so another, those, uh, those were favorites uh, that we kind of both decided. Mad on. Mad Forest, the one with the owls, right? Yeah, with the owls, killer yeah. owls, mate. Steve Norman from the forum says, "Was there ever a better looking and sounding NES game? I definitely can't think of a more atmospheric one." It might be a return to the original's gameplay and quite a few of its themes, but it's way more than just more of the same, with its multiple characters and multiple pathways offering loads to keep going back for and some wonderfully varied but always haunting backdrops to do it again. Takes us into gameplay discussion. Robin Enrico from our Patreon says, I finally beat this game for the first time this year, where so many NES games are difficult to the point of being hateful Castlevania 3 threads the needle perfectly. 
There are many times you will want to throw the controller down in frustration at a death you felt you could never see coming, but then the gears in your brain will start spinning and you'll see a way through. Once I realised how powerful Cypher's magic attacks are and got over my, quote, too good to use syndrome about special weapons, I was able to push through. Doing so on original Famicom hardware with the full soundtrack made that victory extra sweet. I mean, I suppose you could almost call it an elephant in the room, but I learned fairly quickly after I, I played through just with... Um, I did pick up uh, Grant on my first playthrough. I wasn't using a guide, so I just went where I fancied in the levels and um, got Grant available and didn't use him much in my in my my playthrough of the, of the US ROM um, because he felt quite twitchy and I wasn't used to that. I used him in a couple of places where, you know, wanted to get up on the ceiling and the stuff that he could do, but mainly played classic Castlevania with the whip. Um, but the after that, I kind of learned just through researching the game ahead of this show that Cypher is kind of in some ways the deal breaker, the OP character because of the magics. I mean, yeah, that... don't get me wrong. It's not going to make the game a walkover, but dot, dot, dot. You can uh, pretty much bypass uh, some bosses with her fairly, fairly safely. Yeah, which she, is quite uh, a big deal. And, and again, yeah. sounds like when I when I when I was reading this, I was thinking this sounds like somebody talking somebody through a FromSoft game. Like you can kill this boss by by standing in a corner and just using this magic or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really seems yeah, like yeah. a spiritual descendant uh, or ascendant, I, I guess, a predecessor. She has the freeze magic, which can be handy uh, occasionally. Yeah, uh, she has the fire magic which uh, doesn't have much more range than a whip, but I think it hits at mid-level, so you can hit enemies high and low with right. it. Yeah. Uh, if you just stand in front of Dracula, for example, where you normally would need to hit the head with the whip, uh, Cypher can just stand blasting her fire magic, and she will still damage Dracula considerably. Uh, and yeah, but so that that's very damaging, but it doesn't have great range. Now, the lightning magic... Uh, is basically three orbs that uh, she lets loose and they kind of semi-search across the screen yeah. and destroy enemies. If you stand in front of a boss and you hit the boss with uh, with all three orbs at the same time, yeah, yeah it melts their health bar. Yes, and it's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing in a game where you so often feel underpowered. Yeah. Um, and I and get also, actually, her um, her main attack, which is the staff, uh, it appears very weak mm. and bad at first because she has the little, you know, it, it has no range and it's kind of kind of weak, weaker than the whip at level three. But uh, she doesn't have the slow wind up and recovery yeah. animation of the whip. Yep. So, for example, if you walk across a treadway with lots of Medusa heads flying around, it's fairly safe to just walk forward and spam uh, the staff, mm. and you can, you know, fairly, uh, uh, very reliably just smash those medusas uh, before they hit you i was gonna say like the thing as well with as well as the bosses is the fact that the significant bit like the, the bit with all of them is the fact that they can make significant uh bits of the the actual levels uh easier or to, to the point where they're not an issue you know what i mean yeah. so like um one of the big things with with cypher is the fact that you said about the freeze magic like the levels with the you're walking against water, like mm -hmm. tidal water that's pushing you back. Oh yeah, freeze magic freeze there stops that. it. That's yeah. really cool. Mm. Like um, the the other thing as well is though, there's a lot of levels. Like if you see the um, uh, if you see any of the uh, the uh, speed runs, 
like that are for, for kind of Castlevania with all the different ones. The uh, the Cypher ones are incredible. Like uh, like uh, I watched uh, Josh Funk Ducks one the other day. It's really old, but it's so good. Like because there's loads of bits where like uh, he'll freeze like uh, um, one of the boneheads that shoots like a bullet. And you can jump on the jump. frozen bullet yeah. and then jump and take another hit in the air and get like a damage boost onto it. And you can skip like a massive part of the level out. There's loads of there's loads of bits like that. But like um the uh yeah, the the lightning magic is uh like the, clearly the most the most powerful in terms of it's not massively functional in the way that like the it won't let you skip any kind of levels or anything like that. But like for example, if you if you take the route where you have to go and fight the uh uh, you have to go and fight the the hydra like the three-headed hydra like um if you stand just at the right point where the fire can't get you like one and if you, it's, it's funny on that playthrough i did like one lightning magic causes so much slowdown that basically the, 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 like it kills it kills everything on the screen in mm. like seconds i think i did it and there was like one head left that had one hit left that yeah. came up, yeah. <laughs> that came up on the other side so like it is there uh, that's and that that's the one that makes like we look at a lot of the other bosses, like like Death, for example, um, and like the Doppelganger, and like uh, all three, um, all three forms of Dracula, all get really, really wrecked by kind of uh, by that magic if you can kind of time it right. But the thing that makes it difficult is the fact that there isn't a um, a rhyme or reason to it. It doesn't. Uh, all the three of those orbs don't heat seek. They don't go yeah. on a set path, and they don't. Uh, and the, the other problem is is if you fire three of them, two go off the screen and one doesn't, you can't then fire the magic again until that one yeah. that's on the screen disappears. So like yeah. that can, uh, in a similar kind of way. like the, uh, I was going to say, uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Your favorite. the uh, upgraded uh, crossbow. Yeah, yeah my favorite. Exactly, yeah. That's, yeah. And, and that's the, uh, yeah, that's that becomes a, that kind of can become a bit of an issue. But like, um, it's it's generally, if you're using it and something's in front of you, like they'll just get absolutely annihilated by the magic anyway. You know what I mean? So generally, it's a, you can just uh, it'll generally take everything out that's on the screen. And if it's flying around the screen, it's probably going to hit something anyhow. It doesn't. That's the other crazy thing about it. It doesn't hit and then disappear. It just yeah. hits and keeps going. And it only costs one heart per use. Well, that's the crazy part, right? Mm. So exactly. So Alucard, you you can really bypass some of the tricky platforming sections, which will cost the inexperienced player or the cack-handed player in my case a lot of lives potentially but uh but yeah the hearts get chomped away by being in bat form um of course uh we covered symphony of the night before which came some years after this and you could uh change between multiple forms as alucard in that game uh in this game you can only have one uh character with you at a time and you can change at will pretty much between the two characters that you've got and if you go through the loop and complete the game you can carry on and uh start the next loop with the character that you collected and then swap to another character during that run but you can only ever have one one character with you um i mean ben do you actually think like would you enjoy the sort of the challenge of not you know trying a 1cc by taking one of the other characters and because it's obviously it's you're kind of relearning large chunks of the game at that point yeah, well, there's like, well, not only real, and then you're going to have to learn full stop because, like, you don't go, you won't necessarily right. go the same way, you know. Of course. So, like, yeah. there's going to be levels that you didn't do, like, uh, for example, if you take a, you, like, one of the the advantages of taking a cipher and going the way that I went is the fact that I didn't have to do the level with the falling bricks. 
Oh, um, God, yeah. Which Ooh. is one which forms that kind of tower kind of upwards. Yes. I did the pirate ship bit instead and just got good at doing that. Yeah. Um, so it's... A hundred percent, I'd be up for doing it with 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 all of them, or maybe just doing it for with just with the yeah, just with uh, Trevor as well. You know, mm-hmm. like I think yeah. like uh, it's just a classic vania. Like, yeah, once again, it's putting it's putting the time in. But I think I find it really interesting the fact that like there's so many little unique little tropes, like the fact that they've all got the abilities to skip unique like uh, parts of levels. You know, yeah, like yeah. with Alucard being able to fly, with uh, with Grant being able to um, uh, cling on walls and everything. Yeah, yeah. There are candles that are tantalizingly out of reach That's if it. you don't have a particular exactly, character yeah. with you. And obviously with that, with Alucard as well, he's interested in the fact that like he's one of the few... Uh, I think he, he, surely he's the only extra character, actually, who can um, get a standard weapon power-up, right? Mm. Yeah. Because like, yeah. he, he fires like a, a forward-firing kind of uh, short-range kind of bullet, which can be... Uh, if you collect the, the power-ups as if you're powering your whip up, like yeah. um, it'll turn into like a, a three-way bullet, which is really good... For certain bosses, because if they've got a bigger hitbox, you're like it's three hits. Yeah. So if you can kind of get yeah. close enough to kind of use that, it is kind very of cool. Kid, so. uh, very kid, very kid Dracula attack is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. really interesting. Some of the some of the enemy bosses do have uh, short windows of attack and small mm. hitboxes, and uh, and that that that's where a lot of the the pressure and the challenge comes in. Certainly, was the is it like a a troll with a hammer? I don't know what it's supposed to be. Um, Cyclops. So is it a cyclops? Okay, Mostly, I couldn't really, yeah. I couldn't really tell. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that one, like, uh, yeah, you basically lure it into smashing you again in 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 the way that you would certainly see in in modern you know three D action games, and then uh, and then try to nip in and get a quick hit on it. But um, but yeah, the window is pretty small and the and the hitbox is pretty small, and you have to go quite close to it. And this being a, a eight bit Castlevania game, you take a hit, you go flying backwards, and you. You only have a very small window. Um, for me, you know, this game, which if it was if it was remade now, or if someone made a spiritual successor, you possibly have some sort of uh, you know dodge roll with iframes, something like that. That's but that's what that's the the sort of the modern you know quality of life or 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 whatever you want to call it sort of issue, aspect that that these games don't have, and you have to kind of cope with that. That's yeah. that's part yeah. of the challenge. The Rondo gauntlet. of Blood already has something like that. Right. The uh, backflip. There we know. go. Yeah. 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 John, how, how did you play this in terms of, did you sort of, look, obviously you didn't look into how hard it was. Did you look into um, like the, the options for collecting the different characters or did you just play it kind of uh, organically? And, and what were your findings when you got to bosses with the, with whatever loadout you had? Well, I I initially went in fairly blind. Like I knew some of the basics. I knew that there were multiple other characters, um, and once I'd heard that, I kind of figured that it would be a situation like it was in Curse of the Moon, or like it would be twenty something years later. But for me, it goes the other way around. But yeah, I, it kind of kind of twigged for me, um, and I didn't realize until I was already part way into the game, and I just happened to come across Cipher. Uh, I think. The idea is it basically splits after the first level goes two ways, and then I think you can go one of two ways again after the next level. So you eventually, from my understanding, you've got the three different characters all in slightly different paths. And something that I was looking at said that the cipher as a character and possibly also the levels that you go through to get them are are generally thought of as being easier than the other two characters. So mm. I kind of I kind of got through the bulk of the game and then realized oh maybe i've actually done this in the the easier possible way 
Um, but I mean, for my my kind of understanding of it, I was having a good time playing with Trevor. I unlocked yeah. Cipher. Um, realized that I didn't particularly like the the staff thing that she was using. Yeah. Immediately got a magic attack, which seemed very very powerful. I think it was the the flame one that just shoots forwards. And thought, ah, uh, I mean, this seems cool, but I'm also like I've spent about four levels now learning how Trevor jumps and learning where his yeah. Whip Does Cipher have a slightly goes. nerf jump? Is that right? I think it might be a little bit smaller, or she can't jump quite as far forwards. She seems mm. to sort of hop a little bit more than than like yeah. a big a big lunge. I don't know if it's actually smaller. Yes, it just feels a bit different. Yeah, it feels there's less it's way of too a wind up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, I, but I'm pretty sure you should be every jump you can do with Trevor. You should be able yeah. to do with her as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might it might just be that it looks slightly different and gives mm. you the. Because the there's the one force. horrendous jump in the uh, castle walls level before the castle with the seesaw platforms. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, at the, you, you've got to be hanging where... right off the edge. Classic eight-bit mm. pixel yeah. perfect stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even even uh, when playing on a CRT uh, without uh, yeah any noticeable input lag, I, uh, I I I press too early sometimes. Yeah, it's tough. That is that is mm. that's, yeah. a, that's a notoriously tough kind of bit. Yeah. I had a f- I had a few runs practice. Uh, where I just died there. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we had quite a lot of that in the um, the Game Boy Castlevania game that we played, the Castlevania yes. The Adventure. There was a lot yeah. of, yeah. you have to literally be, like your sprite is barely on this platform anymore, yeah. like 95% yeah. of you sticking off the edge and there's just your heel still there uh, for those jumps to work. So, And I, I, funnily enough, before I started playing this, I had a quick run through of that again on the Xbox version just to kind of remember what that felt like compared to this um so seeing those jumps that you have to do like squirreling your way right to the very very edge and jumping when it looks like it's too late kind of felt a little bit natural after doing it but yeah it it made me sort of a bit apprehensive about switching away from what i what i had built up a little bit of a familiarity to so unfortunately i didn't use cypher very much i mostly just did the playthrough with yeah um pretty much solo with trevor but then after after finishing it i played around with some various bits i found um i found some uh passwords for different stages and things to start such and such stage with different characters so went through and tried everything out and messed about Mm. with it and i i think i think because the majority of my castlevania game playing has been with a, a trevor belmont style character with that whip and the like the big hitbox and the the big sort of knockback and stuff. That's kind of where I feel comfortable with these games. Um, I yeah. mean, not not to say that I didn't enjoy messing about with the other characters, but I think for me, the Castlevania experience mm-hmm. really wants to be that whip and the the standard sort of six or eight sub weapons that we all know quite well. Makes um, sense. This, some, I mean, I really enjoyed some of the sub weapons in here. There's a boomerang thing that looks like a cross, um, yeah. but it looks like an X thing. Yeah. Um, and that I destroyed so many bosses with that because it seems to fire out in a very good position for some of the bosses that you have to hit at head height where your whip is slightly yeah. too low. And then it comes back and does more mm-hmm. damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that first stage of the Dracula fight, when I was messing about trying to whip it and could not hit him at all, I think it, I didn't really realize that I was actually having to aim for his head for those those bits, but. Um, I started firing off this this boomerang thing, and it just wrecked him in about four shots. Yeah, 
Yeah, there definitely are multiple solutions to many of the sections of the game. It's not as, uh, yeah, it's designed so that you can get through any section with any character, yeah. I believe. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but some will be more exacting and challenging than others. Overall, I would say, you know, the, the feel of the game in terms of it, it's uh it's basic mechanics um and and locomotion all that stuff we talked about how crisp it felt and precise and snappy and all that stuff all all carries over from the first game and the sound effects back that up but there is one element with this game of control that i had some actual irritation with that i felt could have been better and it's it's relatively rare thing but there there's a slight um if you press up and down on the controller as you're approaching a ladder up or down staircase so this has the the traditional castlevania thing of you push up on steps and then you walk up them you can't jump off them once you're walking up them but you can jump through them if you jump above them um but there are certain platforms where you need to kind of uh, either duck or push up and and attack on a in a certain small area to clear your way but because there's ladders up and down right near you, you can end up, the game thinks you want to go up or down on the yeah. stairs. And so you end up neither, you end up doing the thing that you don't want to do, basically, and taking damage. And that seemed like a flaw to me. Exactly. Trying to use sub-weapons as well. Yeah. It's, it's one of these situations where you just got to sort of bend the game to your will and adjust, adjust your tactics accordingly. Like, yeah. you know, like stay at a certain height at those stairs and then whip uh, the the skull cannons from a safe position and that sort of thing, yeah. rather than doing what you would rather want to be doing. And, and rather like uh, the the classic Resident Evils, uh, this game is designed to, if you want, and certainly if you want to do it fast, and if you're not playing for score, which of course it still has because it's a it's an eight bit nineteen eighties video game. Uh, you can avoid and maybe it's optimal to avoid a lot of the enemies in the game. I was watching a, a world record run earlier. Uh, which uses Grant mainly, and in fact glitches through large sections of the game uh, using very specific and Byzantine techniques. So it's not something that you could just pick up and start doing. There's this bit where you have to kind of walk through screens and screens of glitched, glitched graphics while walking in, you know, certain numbers of steps in certain directions. It's like some, you know, it's like a yeah bizarre, weird puzzle in itself. But either side of that whole bit which allows you to complete the game in like 20 minutes or something like that. Um, you have to be really good at the rest of the game, but watching any world record run, and I expect this was the case on the run you were talking about earlier, Ben, like the execution of all the actual regular Castlevania bits has to be very precise and specific as you would expect. But there's also a lot of not killing stuff, right? Yeah, like when you look at the, a lot of the, the higher levels, like... Um just jumping over things a lot of the time you know what i mean yes the fact that like you can um if you if you're using a like a, a trevor you can like jump and whip and keep the momentum going like that's the only way to kind of uh to quickly um kind of kill stuff if you need to kill stuff but a lot of it is based around either damage boosting through certain things or kind of uh just running mainly you know what i mean to get past yeah. certain things so like there is a there is a lot of that, and it does seem like counter. It sometimes it seems a bit uh, counterintuitive, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, well, the the fact that they collect so few hearts, like to me, I'm thinking you're never going to be able to take this boss down with without all the hearts. Or yeah, sometimes is... they don't even collect the wall chickens, right? This game has wall chickens that top up your health. To me, those wall chickens are like, oh my god, thank you. Yeah, um, but they're essential the in this, like because the but, levels are so much longer. Yeah, but, yeah. But to these world record players, they're like, yeah, I don't need that. It's going to take like 
two hundredths of a second off my time. I'm just going to carry on. And at points, they're even deliberately taking damage because it bounces them further forward or whatever. Time is uh, even more of a precious resource to them than health or They jump else. around these world record players with like one pixel of health or, you know, one segment. Yeah, exactly. As if it's yeah. nothing. <laughs> that's that's the, the, the stress of like, of that I know. Is, uh, is silly. You know what I mean? Like, and when you yeah. see like a, a the, the thing with this is like, even a really good run on this is like still significantly long. You know what I mean? The stress of like, being on a good time and knowing that you're one hit away from dying yeah. is um it's it's horrific. When I was playing like Metroid, I had a I had a sub I only ever got one sub thirty minute run, but I had a sub thirty minute run uh die on um uh Mother Brain <sighs> when I needed to I needed to hit with uh, two more missiles and uh, I had twenty eight health left and the 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 ring things take thirty, don't they? And I didn't have the various suit, obviously, because it slows your downloads. So, like, uh, I got hit and then died. And it was heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. It was absolutely, like, literally, I remember just, I just took my dogs out for a big walk. And then I was going to say, it's those moments that, like, for for all the moments that you absolutely rightly and in such a, you know, beautifully inclusive and, and, um, encouraging way, you, you get so excited about your clears. But, like what we don't see or what we don't normally see or all the, the all the ones that would drive me into absolute despair. Yeah, <laughs> like I just, just knew. The, the funny thing with that is, though, like you have to battle through that because you'll get the clear within not long after that. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. That's always the way I'm. Well, it yeah. should do, but it, it does like happen kind of like that. Like yeah. I remember I got the sub 30 metric clear about, I don't know, not long after that, a couple of days after that. Yeah. But yeah, that's the pro- the problem is the longer that get that gap, elongates the the more that it creeps in your head that that might have been your yeah. only shot at actually doing exactly that. yeah so when i watch people play this um and you're right like taking these boss encounters on so precisely with with the fact that they could die kind of at any point mm-hmm. um like it's uh like it, it i died loads on well not loads but i died quite a bit on my kind of a uh, castlevania 3 uh one credit clear um, right but, Did you get a few extra lives along the way i guess um do you know what? I don't know. Like I did die. I remember dying a couple of times yeah. in, in some ridiculous, fairly ridiculous fashion, especially more near the end. But yeah, I think uh, till the final stage, you had like four lives, and then you lost a few. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. the thing. So obviously that's the point. I hadn't really kind of practiced too much, but like um, I love that. Like I, I practiced like I practiced the Dracula fight, and then was like, I'll be all right. <laughs> just just tried to bludgeon my way through the uh, bludgeon my way through the rest of the level but like uh it, it's i don't know like there's so many points with this game being kind of longer and the levels being longer that yeah if you mm. haven't got the uh the, the finding the extra food you know what i mean and kind of taking taking all the extra kind of help you can you can kind of need with with kind of getting all the extra hearts and all the other stuff is uh so yeah I, I it blows my mind when i watch high level people yeah. play this so I wasn't trying to clear the game without using any continues. I just wanted yeah. to get to the end of the game. And uh, my kids were often in the room when I was playing. And at one point, uh, my son was telling me, Daddy, it doesn't sound like you're having fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all <laughs> heard, he heard that. Me, right. Every, oh, every... And, oh, yeah. and it sounds, sounds of anguish and anxiety. Uh, but it's that's those sort of moments serve as a reminder for me, like, you know, 
just relax, just breathe. Yep. You just cal calm down. Yeah. You know, never mind. Don't think too hard about the deadline of this podcast recording coming up. <laughs> you know, let's just try and enjoy it. And yeah. uh, you know, and as aggravating with that looming deadline in mind as it can be to have to redo the whole stage over again because you just died right in front of the, the boss yeah. on your final life and you have to do the whole damn thing playing over on again. original hardware yeah exactly and but then it it's like you know i do find satisfaction okay oh now i know how to deal with this situation yes. now Absolutely. i know how to deal yeah, with that situation and there there is fun and enjoyment that you know not everybody will get not no. everybody will understand that sort of uh fun that you can can be having with it sort of you know mapping out this game and charting out this game and its pitfalls and its nastiness and uh, yeah just trying to overcome that and often what i found surprising for as many uh seemingly unfair situations the game or at least it seems like that at first throws at you there are often very simple ways and fairly safe ways of overcoming them right yeah yeah, and I, I absolutely get it. Uh, my my issues, I suppose, are with especially with eight uh, bit and and games of that sort of era, is that sometimes they ask you to redo segments that you've completely mastered over and over again that that are easy, and uh, and I actually find the actual in the the re repetitive input of the controller move that that I've done fifty times or whatever, plus the same bit of music looping over and over again in relatively short time, I actually find it like damages my mental state quite badly. <laughs> so that yeah. is probably why I don't tend to kind of get into the mindset of wanting to master these these very old games. In 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 a more modern game, even sixteen bit era in some cases, you would just get that little bit more leeway for creativity and improvisation with your character. Whereas with eight bit games, you know this this game is very 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 precise in what it needs. Yeah, there you is to do. creativity, but you better have a plan when you go into yeah, a yeah. situation. You know, like you better uh, stick to stick to the plan because yeah, your your character controls often are not versatile enough to where you can correct uh, after you've already commit committed to a certain plan of attack or a certain move. Right. What's interesting is, uh, so you, you share with the, if you do, uh, you don't actually have to take a character with you. You can basically not team up, right? You can, yeah. you say, nah, don't want it. Um, I mean, it'll affect your ending depending on who you've got with you or if you haven't got somebody with you. You share a health meter, you just transform between the two. But I don't think of all the, the differences, am I right in thinking they all take the same amount of damage from the same enemies? Um, I read somewhere that Grant uh, takes more damage. That's uh, lower defense. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it's out yeah. there somewhere. There's a really good page on um, the cuttingroomfloor.net, which details yeah. every single difference and all the minutia between the various versions and goes into some of the kind of the background numbers and stuff. So, yeah, forgive yeah. me if I haven't picked that up. But um, again, if it was a perhaps you know if 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 they'd revisited this idea even you know one one or two generations down the line it probably would have been like different armor sets for different characters and things like that well i think the um what i've decided is the spiritual successor to this the curse of the moon the thing that kind of annoyed me about this was that when you switch characters they do have that shared health bar whereas i'm pretty yeah. sure in curse of the moon you've yeah. just got your posse and you just switch between them even to the point where when somebody dies you just then take That's over right. as another character so yeah. 
Yeah, I would like so, the so, NES Turtles game. Right. I feel it's a like slightly softer experience, although that doesn't. That's not the Turtles. <laughs> that's not a softer experience. No, sorry, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think if if this had have had the non shared health bar, that would have made me use um, you know, forced yes. me to use the other character more often than just sticking with Trevor, which yeah. is yeah, you know, maybe slightly a shame, but on the other hand, you know. The character of Cypher, or Cypher, as it's spelt, I think, two different ways in the original ROM, with a PH and with an F, uh, has long been a source of confusion in this game. The instruction manual spells the game the former way, all right, while the game itself uses the latter. Likewise, the gender of the character has long been under debate. I mean, from the cover art, I would say looks female, but... Um, it looks kind of like they wanted to pull a Metroid with this because even uh, oh. in the game, uh, she's uh, gendered as a as a he. Oh, really? But then, but then hmm. at the end, in the ending, when you get the cipher ending, it's uh, they all of a sudden say she, and then you see oh, her okay. long, luscious locks oh. flowing. Uh, Is the there end. a romance suggested at the end between? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, I think canonically, uh, Trevor and uh, Cypher are the parents of Simon Belmont. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, probably kind of retcon because the original, the original uh, Japanese release, of course, was set supposedly hundred years, yeah. years before. <laughs> but right now, yeah, canonically, okay. uh, they're, they're Simon Belmont's parents. Yeah. Uh, any other sort of uh, aspects of level design or stage design that we should mention? I suppose you know, there's we, we've sort of uh, mentioned in passing things like the dropping bricks level. There's there's levels with bricks that get eaten away by kind of acidic substances there's horizontally scrolling there's vertically scrolling there's forced scrolling um i guess the core thing that we associate certainly with early castlevania is the jumping and whipping attack uh, as you jump across platforms uh, and the falling off the screen as soon as it's scrolled up uh, you know anything that's any any piece of safe land that scrolled off the bottom of the screen is no longer available. <laughs> uh, it's the abyss now. It's the abyss now. Yeah, yeah or indeed yeah. the top of the screen as well. There's a great moment where I jumped up at one point and went off the top of the screen and died. Ah, status, yeah. status yeah, yeah. bar nightmare. There's no Super Mario Minus world or whatever, uh, secret world in this. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did notice the um, the world record player kind of dicing with the top of the screen in a in a, yeah, what looked like a very daring way, but I guess... They knew exactly what they were doing. They got the world record. Yeah, I think the stage one of Castlevania 3 uh, almost gave me, way back when I started playing it first, a bit of a false impression. Like there was less variety to the game mm, than uh, in stage one in the original Castlevania. Because uh, in the original Castlevania, first you're in the garden, then you walk through the hallways, and then there's that underground section that you can, of course, skip with the uh, merman jumping yeah. out from the water before you continue and you face the boss. There's, it's a nice little sort of, uh, you know, Konami traditionally, even in this time, already had a really good sense how to make an impression with a stage one in a game. Uh, and so the first stage in Castlevania 3 is a little bit more pedestrian, I would say. But then after that, yeah, there's a lot of variety in the different stages and the, the kind of different challenges that mm. they pose. I feel like stage one maybe just kind of shows you the basics of the combat rather than actually doing any funky puzzling or platforming yeah, or anything. it's a fairly basic mm. tutorial almost, yeah. It's mostly, in my mind, just enemies that walk at you and it gives you your whip upgrade straight away and gives you a range of yeah. the um, sub-weapons to mess about with. But there's really nothing, mm. at least not that I can remember, like particularly pits or... I mean, there's a couple of little bits, but 
it mostly just introduces you to enemies that mostly just come straight for you. Yeah, there's a vertical section with the uh, glass paint windows mm. uh, in the in the back, which is quite cool. Yes. Uh, but yeah, also the only challenge there are those bats, which are fairly hard to spot yeah. the first time they around. They sure are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Deliberately so. There's some interesting little tricky bits. I think there's a point where, or oh, maybe if you go too high, or if you you do it uh, do it from above, there's um a candle that drops a treasure but it will fall off the bottom of the screen if you're not standing in the right position or yeah something. yeah there's a few of those actually mm. yeah yeah but it feels it feels very tutorially that first level yeah I, yeah I believe there's also there's a section relatively late on which is it's i guess it's block eight probably which of the 10 which is actually the meant to be the same corridor that you visit at the beginning yeah. of Castlevania mm. 100 yeah. years even, even uh, reprises the music of stage one uh, in Castlevania that's, that's kind I of thing, that very cool very cool kind of thing this was the first time that, yeah and this was the first time that I reached that area so I kind of you know had no notion that it was there yeah, excellent uh, of the levels that you know well Ben any uh, any favored ones that you think are particularly cool or any that you actually uh, you know for all your mastery thought yeah that was a bit of a pig um, the later you get in, kind of, uh, inevitably yes. the harder the the kind of levels <laughs> get. Do. Um, and there's a lot of different kind of like like you said there, kind of gaming tropes really in terms of like the 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 scrolling in and scrolling off levels and and kind of uh, like I say, I, I don't um at some point, I'd imagine I'll I'll um come back and try and beat this with somebody else. Like the when I was playing this originally, I was playing with Alucard uh, before I I um watched a load of a load of mm. runs and was like oh maybe this is a bit more fun like um but honestly like i got to the uh i got to the point where i could do the the falling bricks level um but that was like very hard you know like very very hard to do um so it was like uh, there was there was a couple like that um the the, the levels on the alucard path like someone you can take are really quite difficult um Unless you've got kind of, it, it comes back to another thing as well. Though, like if you, irrespective of who you're using, kind of, and sub weapon selection is such a big part of it. You know, like such a like like with the other games, it's such a big part of yes of ensuring huge. you have like a, a a smooth kind of progression through stuff. And in that in that run that I did, very much like a lot of the runs that I've that I've done, there's quite a few sections where I stop in front of a candle, whip it, and it drops like a knife or something. And I'm like, well, that would have skilled us. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, this, yes. That's the point where, like, and not even on a, I'm not even trying to do it without dying, you know. Like, I just understand the fact that it's very hard for me to come back from, from having a terrible sub weapon at certain points in the yeah. game. Yeah, particularly um, this struck me with playing with Cipher is that yeah, you can accidentally jump to a candlestick and grab the the spell that takes away your lightning and your orbs, and then you're back yeah. to having to play properly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, a harsh mistress. I've just actually uh, just noticed that um, we didn't really mention this, um, and and I would imagine the European ROM is the least, in some ways, the the not the best way to play. I, I imagine it's unoptimized PAL fifty hertz. But they did actually do some further tweaks to uh, difficulty in terms of the number of damage. Uh, the uh, the damage the player takes is less overall on the European ROM, oh, okay. uh, and they reverted some of the enemies to their japanese strengths so they they uh they made axe knights bone dragons bone pillars things like that all less uh take fewer Ooh. hits to kill yeah because they're tanky in mm. the US yeah very much so yeah so yeah. i mean you know 
they didn't even bother to include the European ROM on the uh, on the collection because you know you kind of got most of your bases covered with the uh, with with the Japanese American. But but yeah. there you go, it's out there if you want to try it and master. Belcom represent. Palcom represent indeed. Psycho hype <laughs> from our forum says what a classic. Although I never got to play Castlevania 3 as a kid, I finally got the chance to test my metal against its gauntlet of punishment when it was included in the superb 2019 Castlevania Anniversary Collection. This is one of the most satisfying retro games to complete, especially if you go on to finish the game having tried all the different optional paths. There's a lot to recommend about this game, particularly for the perpetual challenge-seeking types who can't wait for the next From Software game. If you enjoy that kind of slowly earned victory that only comes from failing and repeating and failing again until you finally triumph, there's a good chance you'll really enjoy Castlevania 3. In fact, I say go all the way and play the more difficult NES version of the game without the use of save states. But that's just me. Not just you. If you're new to <laughs> Castlevania 3, you'll want to pay attention to the first level. You'll notice that the first challenge room in particular in this particular Castlevania is not the left to right corridor with the shambling zombies. The first challenge area in the game is a vertically oriented cathedral room filled with beautiful stained glass windows, a few easy to avoid bats, and most importantly, a bunch of staircases. I think this is deliberate. It's the game telling you in no uncertain terms, buddy, you better get used to how this works. You might even do something stupid like walk straight off a ledge and die when you thought you were about to climb the staircase that was right there at the edge of the platform. Mm -hmm. It's OK. You'll figure out very quickly that there's a certain timing to your inputs, particularly with regards to climbing stairs. But figure it out. You must because you'll be climbing a lot of stairs and it Ooh, won't yeah. be as calm and simple as it is in this tutorial. Anyone who has played through the rest of the game will know exactly what I'm talking about. Great post. Yeah. Sums up the uh, Castlevania 3 experience in many ways, I would say. Mm. Indeed, it is stage 8-1, or block 8-1, as I think it's called. That is the same corridor where you start the original Castlevania. Mr. Ixalite from our forum says, Much like A Link to the Past or Super Metroid, Castlevania 3 is a sequel that looks back to the first game in the series and supercharges it. And for my money, it is entirely a good thing. Bigger levels, more levels and more characters, all contained in a top tier audio visual package on the NES. I spoke of how the original Castlevania makes you feel like you're on a journey. And that feeling returns with a vengeance here as you now trek through winding paths of the Transylvania countryside before even reaching the castle, all lovingly traced on an elaborate world map. The game also further codifies the Castlevania bestiary and iconography and truly introduces the fun of seeing what new spins get put on recurring enemies. Will the mummy show up and where? What's the fight against death going to be like? As such, the multi-stage final boss fight against Dracula with his utterly bizarre second form and his Pazuzu-looking bonus third form is one of the most memorable in the series to me. Beyond improving on its predecessor across the board, Dracula's Curse also sets the stage for the magnificent Rondo of Blood to complete the evolution of this flavour of Castlevania years later. But even by itself, it stands as one of the best games in the NES library for me. It's a game I will complete and then immediately go, I should do that again sometime and try a new path. 
even if I will probably always beeline for Alucard and his platform-cheesing bat form. So, yeah, so he's favouring the bat form. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, different ways to approach this. Uh, so, yeah, you get two spare lives um, by default on each play, 10 if you enter the code on the US or European ROM. Um, dying puts you back to the start of... Well, are there is the number of checkpoints per overall level consistent it doesn't is, is it is it always the start of the 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 subsection of the block um and yeah if you die you start at a checkpoint if you run out of lives and you have to yeah. use a continue you start let's say uh after so the first, the, the the real beginning part of the level meaning after you've defeated the boss and grabbed the orb indeed um yeah and there's infinite in continues. The, yeah, yeah. There could be less checkpoints. One confirmed uh, remove checkpoint is the one in the final stage uh, right before Dracula yes. in the Japanese version. <laughs> so basically, if you die against Dracula, you have to repeat half the stage again with uh, the swing pendulums and all that. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, at, what, at the point where I got as uh, good as I got at the stage, it didn't really matter that much anymore because... Uh, yeah, I could pretty much do that whole part without taking any damage. So the game also yeah. has a countdown timer, which I never came a cropper to. It, even playing as slowly as I tend to, I want. Is it just in there out of habit? I, I don't know what happens when the timer ends. I assume you just die, but lose a life. I think for me, I was yeah. always just dead before the timer ran out. Anyway, so yeah, exactly. I never gave yeah, it a I chance. remember running out of time sometimes in the original Castlevania when I was a yeah. little bumbling, uh, yes. bumbling early teen. Um, but uh, yeah, not in this one. It's the first Castlevania game to use the symbols password system that uh, other games henceforth that use passwords adopted. So you, uh, it uses a grid with things from Castlevania on it, a whip, a candle, a heart, etc. Uh, but there's actually quite a few combos. Um, and yes, uh, they're all out there on the internet, as you would expect, um, which allows you to start yeah, pretty much anywhere with any combo of characters. Mm. Is that right? Uh, I didn't play around with it enough to find out if it was literally anything you want, but I certainly got... And, uh, starting at the end of the last uh, sorry the beginning of the last level with all the different characters in the party and starting from the first level with all of them to mess about so it's you can certainly do you know the weird rudimentary things that you want to do i presume you can take characters into the levels that you wouldn't normally get them into because well, you can yeah, take them through on new game plus anyway exactly so. yeah that's it yeah that's a cool feature um, but yes, obviously, uh, well, the, the anniversary collection, the, one of the only downsides to it, uh, I would say is that it's only one save state per game at any one time. Whereas a lot of yeah. the sort of modern retro re-releases will give you multiple save states, uh, sometimes loads, sometimes a handful. Um, but this one, you pretty much, yeah, you've got one at a time. Um, so you have to choose it, choose, choose your points carefully. Um, but that's fair enough bosses uh this was actually the first castlevania game to feature the second form for death and also a third in this case after he was presumably defeated and this has been reused in nearly every castlevania since 
Uh, that second form is pretty spooky. That giant it is. face, that giant skull face mm. against the black background, and I had to use the black background, of course, because uh, yeah, it, it's not a sprite; it's an actual moving yes. background mm. set of background tiles. Yeah, there's uh, another uh, giant head early on that uses this uses the same trick. Yeah, it? but it's a pretty uh, pretty striking effect, and then when his eyes glow up blue and he yeah. shoots the sickle from his mouth, vomits yeah, blood. Good stuff. Uh, not oh, being yeah. bound by the limits of the edge of the screen either, being able to uh, scroll Rack backwards yeah, across yeah, the yeah. screen was something <laughs> that really took me by surprise. Yeah, yeah, that middle form of of Dracula uh, actually I found easier than. The either the forms either side. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost it's like easy. a breather, almost. Yeah, but it's it's uh it's really cool. This sort of a grotesque, uh, yeah, it's sort like of arrangement of, of faces with a brain on top, and then it's it kind of leaks its fleshy mm. blood, uh, fleshy parts off, and yeah, yeah. When you when you when you attack it, then you know the flesh melts away. And you see these uh, skulls under there. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty good eight uh, bit pixel art horror. Yeah, uh, obviously there's some really really grotesque stuff in some of the the later games, but I don't know yeah. exactly how early some of that starts. But things like the Sym- um, Symphony of the Night, the um, Beelzebub like crucified to the wall, and the the big ball of corpses and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like very very yeah. iconic Castlevania imagery that I didn't realize stretched back as early as right. some of the nes games yeah, yeah that's it because very much like the first game is is pretty much mostly uh standard sprite sized incarnations of of uh you know human legends and, and stories of monsters you know the kind of the classic and this game has that but it it's perhaps well, yeah where they started to branch out into screen filling bosses which is of course such a staple of uh, video games from 16-bit onwards. Um, they were pushing the envelope here, and in fact, the the final form of Dracula very much reminded me, Ben, of uh, of certain final bosses in certain other games where you stand beneath their feet and shoot up at their heads and avoid laser beams oh, yeah. from their hands, even down to the moving platform. Yeah, yeah, very much so. This was actually uh, after uh, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it's weird, isn't it? Because like. Uh, with all the like, with all the forms, um, the uh, the right kind of sub weapon uh, selection is truly kind of optimal. Mm. Um, like, yeah. if you're able to, uh, like, for for like the final form, for example, if you've got or if you can find a sub weapon that negates you having to get actually on the platforms. So if you've got an axe, or if you've got a uh, if you've got the lightning magic, you know what I mean. If you've got anything yeah. like that, really, um, I I don't. I'm sure. I bet Grant could like do some kind of jump off the platform when it's at its lowest point to try and get a, an attack <laughs> off or something. There's probably some way around it, but like um, uh, th- th- that lies. That's the the key in kind of that last that last stage. The key with the the first stage is to is to wait, and that's the toughest bit because what you have to do is walk and then wait until the two pillars of fire kind of come up because you'll be sandwiched in between them. Mm-hmm. And what you want to do is run straight away, but what you need to do is wait until the the, pi- the third pillar of fire appears on the floor and then just edge forward, and it'll always miss you. Like um, that's mm. really counterintuitive. You're right. The second form's kind of yeah. a, a breather before it all goes crazy. Um, but like the third, um, like I say, the the third form with the right, um, even on the uh, American version, like because obviously that's the version that I practiced on the uh, on the on the DS. Like the third, mm. the third form with the right set of sub weapons is kind of uh, kind of manageable. But it's the fact yeah. that as soon as you start having to jump on those platforms into the mix. 
then it just gets yeah. it gets very it gets very jeopardy filled very quickly. <sighs> yeah. Because I was using, of course, the fire magic with Saifa, and then the first form of Dracula. Yeah, I almost calculated in I was going to take a hit from the middle fire column. Uh, you know, I just have to take one single hit. But then, yeah, I would al- already destroy him with uh, spamming the flame attack before he could uh, get me a second time. Yeah, the, the then stage two was uh, easy breezy again with fire magic. And then I was thinking, yeah, this fire magic does so much damage. And I don't have the lightning, so I have to get on these platforms and get up to the face and start using it on him. And that got me quite far a couple of times. But yeah, usually at that point, you know, all it takes is one or two hits and you're gone. And it's it's way too risky to stand on those uh, moving platforms because you can, yeah you're you're kind of a target. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And then Ben uh, tipped me off like, hey, why don't you use the X with uh, with Trevor? And that's that got me good after like three four attempts. Like that that's how I got him. That's one of the things about a triple phase boss fight like that is, okay, every single phase has got something that it's super weak to, but it's not that easy to bring in three different things for it. And especially in in this, at the end of it, I think you get hit four times from full health to death with Trevor there. I think each hit does a quarter of your health bar. So there's not a huge amount of room for for error in in any of the stages either. I was quite uh, pleased to see, though, that uh, when watching world record runs uh, with grant the the holy water is still as devastating as it was in the first game if used in in the right situations yeah uh yeah they, they didn't nerf that funnily enough they yeah. didn't think like oh we need to nerf this holy water that also yeah. kind of feels like it, you know almost like a castlevania type sort of head nod or a meme or something because i remember the um the beginning of symphony when i think you're technically playing the last stage of bloodlines and it That's starts right. off with that boss fight against dracula yeah or the last stage of uh, uh Run yeah of Blood. that's it yeah but the yeah. the trick to that is like there's a, a holy water hidden in one of the candles on the way to it and if you do the crash attack thing that makes the holy water rain down it just destroys that beast dracula boss there that normally is quite a difficult fight mm. so it it definitely feels like yeah they've they've got their like little tropes very I mean, holy deeply water, ingrained you know, in this. You can't nerf holy water without being sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't dilute it with regular water. Yeah, I always get muddled up with the bloodlines thing because it literally says bloodlines on the screen uh, when you play the start of Symphony of the that Night. That probably but, explains why I've never got it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, anyway, we'll cover those games uh, in the future, the podcast. They did actually make a few other tweaks uh, and fixes from the Japanese to the international versions, uh, there was some gl- bug- bugs and glitches in the sunken city level that they fixed, and the fact that the sprites flicker when you complete the game in the original Japanese version were were fixed, and a few other little bugs. Apparently, you could uh, lock the uh, the nasty Grant doppelganger with with a holy water glitch and um, soft lock the game. I guess so. Yeah, there are a few advantages. Um, I don't know if some of those bugs were fixed in fixed in like the anniversary version anyway, or maybe they've left them in there for posterity. Sometimes I like it when the um, you see this on some some re-releases of old ROMs where you can go into the menu on like an arcade archives title from Hamster and it will say original game behavior, yes or no, which basically means <laughs> do you want the, there to be the chance of this crashing, uh, or do you want to do you, do you want to play the the, the fixed version, which is. Uh, appreciated i always thought old games didn't have any bugs (laughs) no that's right (laughs) 
<laughs> Famously so, yeah. Yeah. No, they had to be, right? They couldn't be patched. They just didn't so. have patches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they got sequels instead. Also, not a new phenomenon or remasters. Mm. I'll get on a soapbox about that in a minute. Alex79 from our forum says, This was a great game overall. I found it both more challenging and interesting than the first in the series. Nice that you can switch characters, even if I only use the others for a brief moment of time. Amazed how well these games have held up, though. They're still a lot of fun to play, and I can't honestly say the same for many NES classics. In other media, The Legend of Satanic Castle, The Vampire Hunters, is a Japanese gamebook in a choose-your-own-adventure style, a novel published by Futabasha in 1990. Good luck tracking that one down. The 1991 Captain N, the Game Master episode, the cartoon, we didn't get that over here, I don't think. Uh, there was an episode called Return to Castlevania, and it was based we got it over here. on the game. You got it in Holland, in yeah, the Netherlands, yeah. but not in, I don't I don't think we got this. Ben, do you remember this, John? What? This episode of Captain N, I don't no, remember. No, not, the, did, not get... the sp- did we get Captain N? Yeah, we got Captain N, yeah. Did we? Yeah, we did, yeah. It was on well, a Saturday morning. We got it as well. No, yeah. Well. Gutted. I missed it. Yeah, I'm sure it was dreadful. It, w- it wasn't too long after we got our NES, so it was a oh, nice uh, sort of serendipitous thing. Well into it. Yeah. Uh, the, the episode in question may... For laughs, at least, you know. May well be on, on YouTube. I didn't actually check. Um, might watch it after we finished. Or maybe I should watch... Maybe I should watch the first two seasons of the Netflix animated series, uh, which adapts the 1989 entry, Castlevania Three as they follow Trevor Alucard and Cypher as they defend the nation of Wallachia from Dracula and his minions. Yeah, I still need to watch can I, that. Yeah, um, can wholeheartedly recommend it. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good recommendation. So, I don't know good. where it goes, but certainly the first two seasons are very good. There's been yeah, some very good. bad stuff about one of the creators, right? Oh, Warren right. Ellis. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily make the entire thing uh, not worthy of, of investigation. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. buyer beware if if that might affect your enjoyment uh check out check out the stories um but yeah i, I still intend- it's very violent yes very lewd mm. uh yes. more so than i ever associated with uh, the castlevania games right yeah uh even though there's uh some of that in there um yeah I, i'm really impressed with that series mm. just how it's sort of contextualizes uh, what i've been playing in these games all these years you know and and yeah, it gives uh, a coherent background setting a story to uh, the whole lore. One of the so, first really well-regarded, reviewed, responded-to video game adaptations, full mm. stop. Um, yeah. Although I know that our Jay wasn't a fan at all. He, th- he thought it was quite dull. But um, but he's not a Castlevania guy particularly, so mm. maybe I that's an issue. I remember correctly, and no spoilers, the ending of Series 2 has a very, very, very good rendition of um, Bloody Tears playing right. over some action scenes that I think is kind yeah. of one of those fan favourite bits. So almost Sounds worth it just for that. Sounds very worthy of investigation. As always, almost always, we have some three-word reviews. You can still follow us on social media, at Kane and Rince, as you'd expect. Start with Ben. Josh one-on-one says, pain never stops. Uh, Mr. Ixalite says, bat over pits. Robin Hoodie says, don't dismiss Cypher. Channing King says, back to basics. Tom Hewlett says, pendulum jumping bliss. And Bador SNK says, return to form. 
Thanks, everybody. So let us summarize our feelings on this. What did I say? Third, fifth, sixth, <laughs> Poss depending on which territory you're in, maybe seventh installment of Castlevania. Uh, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. Uh, yeah, so I don't have uh, nostalgia for or history with this game other than I really wanted to play it for the podcast and experience it all the way through, even though uh, my actual completion of it was, uh, you know, illegitimate, whatever, uh, tarnished, tainted, impure. Nonsense. Um but I've been, but I've been enjoying playing it uh, after that in in a more au natural way. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to enjoy here. Uh, but there's also some elements of this era of game design, even just specifically Castlevania game design and Konami's game design, that I, I personally find a bit frustrating and repetitive. The fact that it's so rigid in some ways and so demanding of your knowledge, and doesn't really allow too much in the way of kind of experimentation uh in ter in terms of being successful um and that actually a, a lot of times kind of being successful at the game is yeah is knowing kind of how to how to exploit its kind of built-in exploits i suppose for want of a better word but all that said yeah as an 8-bit game this is an absolute epic tour de force of an nes cart uh, particularly the Japanese version with the extra chip and the extra sound on it, which makes it, you know, kind of a classic soundtrack of the era. Uh, well worth experiencing for both fun and historical reasons. But yes, if, if you're like me, don't worry too much about the fact that you can't uh, do a Ben or even a Mikiel and uh, and complete it in the in the in the best way possible. But if you want to do that, there's obviously an extraordinary amount of pleasure you can get from doing so so yeah check it out we've recommended the castlevania anniversary collection dozens of times although you can still get this on uh well i guess the wii u virtual console is still alive at this point and the 3ds wii is not um or you can just play it you know via other methods but yeah do check it out john hmm. uh, yeah i think i also um pro uh, probably echo a lot of what you've just said but this is this is clearly a like a very competent, very well-made, very enjoyable game. Um, it's honestly the Castlevania thing is a really bizarre spot for me because I've played a lot of the newer games before going back to the old ones, and in some ways that makes the older games feel a little bit lesser. But realistically, you know, you look at something like this, especially if you're able to divorce like preconceived notions and things from it, then it is just a really solid. I mean, it, it's difficult, but uh, it's certainly not without its flaws, but it is a solid, well-made, good fun game with a lot of really, really you know high-quality music, and a lot of the platforming is slightly frustrating. But also, once you you kind of learn the game, and especially when you're messing about with the different characters, like it doesn't it doesn't feel cheap in the way that a lot of 2D platformers of this sort of era have got that kind of ingrained like BS meter to them, where things just it just feels unfair like I, I there is some nonsense in this there's an awful lot of times that i died because i got hit by something and then you know you go uncontrollably flying backwards <laughs> off the edge of the flight of stairs that you've just come up and yeah. you know that happens a lot but also that is kind of like I, that just that's just like castlevania to me that's just the castlevania experience is some of that slight unfair but mostly just kind of amusing and oh yeah well you know there were like four ways that you could have dealt with that better so you know that yeah. was clearly clearly partly your own fault but 
yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's just a fun game, and there's there's a lot of um, I think a lot of replay value in it, and uh, you know, you need to play it like three different times through to even see all of the different levels that are there, let alone experience them all with the different characters. So for you know, for an NES game that is now well, Japanese version, what did we say, thirty three years or something, and the even the European release now thirty years old, like. It, it's it's shocking how much they've managed to cram into this and and how how high quality it feels. So I think again, like Leon said, you know, we have talked about the anniversary collection so many times, and it's always it's always available for next to no money. So you know, you, if you've got any interest at all, it's a very very easy sale for you. So you know, what it, what's to miss out on? Absolutely, Vampire Slayer Michiel Croda. Yes, yeah, what John just said uh, really reminded me of this one point uh, when I was grinding out the final level uh, where you have this crumbling bridge where you have to fight a bone dragon uh, skeleton thingy, uh, which is particularly nasty, where there was just one tiny hole with one brick that had dropped down, a bat came flying out of nowhere and knocked me exactly in that space (laughs) into the pit area with the spikes. Ghosts and And goblins-esque levels of hilarity. Yeah, all I could do literally at that point, my daughter was watching with me and both of us just bursted out in laughter and disbelief. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe that just actually happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very humorous stuff. Um, yeah, this is just uh, an absolute classic. And I'm so glad that I was able to, uh, or that I had this podcast as a reminder to finally make my way through this uh, game as a whole. Um, and. The great thing is, you know, you're not quite done with it once you've just done one route. There's there's more to experience of this if you really enjoyed it and uh, other levels that you might have passed by, you know. Um, yeah, just really, really good stuff. Um, and it's really fascinating how kind of like, you know, playing the way I played, just uh, bashing my head against the proverbial haunted wall over and over again uh trying to make it to the next stages and it did take me a long time you know usually if i could spend an evening playing of two three hours it was just me playing the same stage for two three hours in a row before i was finally able to sort of manage it through some stages faster than others some stages were even later on where i made my way through faster but some of the later stages definitely took me a long time to get through but it forges sort of this um intimate relationship with this game you know and because the game is quality and it's not just you know something aggravating uh yeah i have nothing but warm feelings for this and you know i think john and uh leon you guys already kind of uh yeah described better than me before uh just what is so good about this uh ancient uh, 8-bit game um yeah still hardly recommend it any any way you play it yeah, and, and I just want to say, like uh, listener, I didn't, I did, I did express stress to Mikhail that uh, if he did, if he had failed to uh, to smite Dracula this afternoon, I wasn't going to say you can't come on the podcast. However, <laughs> uh, however, the reason we do the, uh, you know, we very much try to stick to the, you know, beat the game in some form at least is exactly uh is exactly what Mikhail was talking about there that sort of relationship that you form with the game over time and how your relationship with the game might feel differently once you've conquered it um yeah which uh, like in this case I I haven't managed to do like in the most in the in the purest form myself but I did spend for example 
most of Sunday replaying and playing and replaying levels with Cypher, you know, and, and getting to mm. that point where um, some of it was annoying me. Um, but, you know, at times I was listening to podcasts while I was playing rather than hearing the, the exact same loops of music as good as it is and the exact same sequence of sound effects over and over again. But, yeah, where you get into that that groove and, and kind of lockstep with the designer's mindset and things like that. But, um but it yeah. always comes down to everyone has a different attainable skill ceiling of of skill motor fine motor skills and and all that kind of thing and so some people's targets will be different different to others um definitely yeah and i feel like playing this game and persisting with it all the way through has made me really very much in tune with uh, 8-bit castlevania specific definitely. mechanics and skills so i'm thinking now if i go back to castlevania 1 yeah, I shouldn't have too much trouble with that. I think that. you're right. Yeah, go for yeah. it. All right, let's uh, finish up with Vampire Tormentor, Ben Cartledge. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, this is incredible because like, this is a, uh, an amazing game that I don't think I'm am- amazing at uh, in, any, in any stretch, really, like compared to uh, a lot of the other stuff that maybe I'm kind of better at. But it's something that like I'm at a really precarious point with this because I almost feel like that clear I recorded is as perfect to clear as I've ever recorded of anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was, I almost feel like, how am I ever going to... I don't know if I can enjoy it again like I did. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'll get the same rush hmm. playing it not live. I don't know. It's, it's, it's I've got such a strange relationship with it. But that being said, like, it's always there or thereabouts on the list of things that I think I'm going to play again, you know, and put some kind of significant, significant kind of run towards. I just think that like it's it's so ambitious for when it came out, you know. Like uh, we talked all, uh, quite a lot about all the different mechanics that make it so, but like it's very rare to have um, a, a platformer of this era with an an absolute myriad of like of, of potential avenues to kind of get through it, you know. Like the, the variety, especially in the last couple of weeks, while I've been like uh, playing this a little bit more and doing other stuff, the variety of clears that I've seen with yeah. different kind of characters and weapons and sub-weapons and, do you know what I mean, and not dying, not doing certain levels and glitches and all kinds of stuff. Like, this this uh, this game's, like, as as, as really as, as complex and deep as kind of you want it to be, you know? Like, um, but I, I would say um, if you could, if you're able to, obviously, when we get the collection, like, uh, play the Japanese version and, uh, like, give yourself a bit of time and see what you think, you know? Because... It's so striking, and once the, the thing is as well is that once you put any significant amount of time kind of into this, you'll kind of really understand what a kind of uh, I don't know what a real masterpiece this is. Like, um, I don't know um, if I'll ever play it again to that level that I did before, but I, I don't know if it matters. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy with the fact that the 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 one time that the stars aligned and I was able to properly beat this was it in a format where people could see it and and more people could kind of because i had the camera as well like more people could see exactly what getting a yeah. clear in a game like this kind of yeah, made, yeah. you know and i did have that i did have that full-on invincible feeling for the next couple of days you know like mm. it's hard to i can't get that anywhere else it's amazing that games kind of still do this but this is one of the most i don't know one of the most unique reactions i've ever had to kind of mm. beat the game really if you've uh if you've got the time, especially as we uh, whenever this comes out, hopefully you'll have a, a bit of time to a, a bit of time to yourself, a bit of time to kill. If you have got some time, then put it into this. It's, you, you won't be disappointed. 
yeah and check out ben's uh one credit stream video because uh yes as i say even if you don't watch the gameplay which i think you i do recommend but if you don't have time for the hour check out the last i don't know five minutes or something like that yeah, to see it's silly i'm like a child like i watch it every time <laughs> i kind of giggle uncontrollably and put my yeah. put my hand in front of my face i don't know what happened then like yeah, I, it's, I, it's actually you know it's quite moving just to see and you know i just obviously i didn't know the guy who did the world record he might be a jerk for all i know but he had almost the same reaction when he got the world record hand over the face watery it's... eyes red you know flushed red kind of yeah it's like yeah there's only certain amount of experiences in life that will kind of give you that level exactly. of, of of whatever it is whatever whatever endorphins and various other things are running through your body uh, and, and very yeah i mean i suppose you could argue it isn't a natural high because you've used a video game to get it but yeah. um but you haven't injected actually uh anything into your body or or uh, or anything like that other than uh, tea no other than tea and, and muscle mousse that's it <laughs> exactly <laughs> word from our sponsor beautiful. Um, beautiful and speaking of which uh it just remains for me leon to thank john mckeel and Ben, any plugs? Uh, we, we're, I'm not giving more more airtime to, to to your sponsors, but uh, what about <laughs> your own stuff? <laughs> <laughs> On OCC25, get that code in. Um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, obviously, uh, check me out over on. Uh, one credit classics i stream every monday and thursday um and i do like a, a load of kind of live clears uh recently like i've had a lot i've come to a bit of a, a kind of junction in terms of the stuff i was trying to clear i kind of finished within a really small space of each other so i beat uh, the capcom version of uh snk versus capcom car Fighters clash on the neo geo pocket which was loads of fun and i managed to beat the super nintendo version of super mario brothers from super mario all-stars uh no credits uh no warps so that was quite cool Cool, like um and mm. i did super released hard mode the other day as well it's been a good couple of weeks but lost levels next ben hence why i've run out of i'm I'm just i've been surreptitiously trying to avoid that for the last six years to be honest yeah <laughs> but um i don't recommend yeah, it it's it uh, no I, I can't see it happening to be honest but yeah check that out and obviously check out there uh, check out and obviously me and the boy mckeel over at uh, the video wizards podcast we have stuff yes, coming yes. out all, we have stuff coming out all the time uh including now a patreon which features legendary deep dives of such classic topics as uh, Luxembourg's television, Gary Kitchen, and uh, the Atari Jaguar, amongst mm. other things. <laughs> Can't believe I got uh, I got flack from a, a, a friend the other day, uh, a local local friend, football friend, who, for uh, for the length of our podcasts. I said, "You go and listen to Video Wizards, <clears throat> my friend. Yeah, do a Video Wizards season. Yeah, you do that. Now a special." <laughs> I would say uh, in uh, in our defense that uh, a lot of people tell us this, like, oh, this podcast is so long. But then when they finally start listening to it, they say, oh, can't believe it's over already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Fair very play. popular with the, uh, it's very popular with the long distance runners, mate. Yeah, the, tra- the truck drivers. <laughs> yeah, the long distance runner fraternity. Love yeah. it. The ultramarathon yeah. crew. <laughs> Thanks also to Editor Jay. And all of our correspondence from uh, the forum and Patreon. And, of course, you for listening. Next time, in issue 549, the penultimate show of the year, Lucifer's calling you to listen to our Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne podcast. (laughs) 